I felt points inside me. So that's good. By the way, one week ago, checking my calendar, I saw that I left a message for myself three years ago. Wait, was it a message or an email? It was a calendar event. <laughs> it was, you know, it was like this, like, full day <laughs> event that you put at the top of your calendar that you never <laughs> okay. checked. Very well medium for a message. <laughs> exactly. And like the title was three years ago. It was not even like I could have not clicked on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. Like I was checking my calendar and I saw like this weird event called three years ago and I clicked on it. It was like a small message of me three years ago, bored out of my head uh, when I was working at Deezer, writing about my life there. And I was like just going to move in with my ex. And I was just talking about that and how I was bored and how I, was, I had like a shitty job. And I hope to my future. Yeah. To my future self that I would have a better life by then. Uh, and here, here we are in 2020. Do you have a better life? Still in lockdown for the last eight months. <laughs> Uh, I guess I have a better life than that. Like, I have a better job. I have a better flat. I have, like, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, but, like, the lockdown in 2020... I don't know. Like, I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, like, a bit of a weird year. Yeah, it's hard to be sure against that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Is it the first time you're doing a... Yeah, no, but, like, I completely... Yeah, completely. Like, I completely forgot about it. Okay, so maybe you did a lot of them and you just forgot all the time. <laughs> May maybe. I guess so. Maybe I don't know. I have like no fucking clue. I completely forgot about it. But uh, yeah, I was so stupid in that letter because at the end I was like, I'm sure you will hate yourself for not writing more at that point when you will check that in three years because it was so short. And I was like, Oh, okay. Because what you said before made me think that it was long. <laughs> no, it was like it. It was not super long. It was. So you talked about a lot of topics, but very briefly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, okay. like kind of like bullet points. But like, what <laughs> kills me is like the peer, like the postscript on at the end saying saying that like, oh, you'll hate me for not writing more. I was like, what a stupid guy I was three years ago. Yeah, I hate you. Like it was. <laughs> I it, guess you do know yourself. It was a really good idea. <laughs> like, why did you do it well? <laughs> so now I have in my to dos like, let's write a long letters for myself three years from now. Do you think you're not stupid anymore? Do you think you grew up since then? Yeah, because I will write like a fucking book now. But I don't know what I'm gonna write about because it's kind of like it's a weird mindset to think like, okay, what I'm gonna write for myself in three years? Yeah. You can't really teach yeah. anything to your future self. No, I mean, the goal is to make you smile, right? <laughs> to bring you a little of ha a little happiness and uh, throw back like, oh, this was going on, etc. But like, I would have loved that from myself 20 years ago. In the future. <laughs> you want to receive messages from the future? <laughs> uh, that would be great. The other way around. I mean, if you want, you can send a message to yourself if 20 years from now. If you... I think I'll do it. Yeah, I think like tw 20 years is a good period for you to change. So do you, do you feel like you're not very different from the guy who wrote the message? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't, uh, yeah. I don't know. Like I think I'm pretty consistent. Like in a good way, <laughs> not in a bad way. <laughs>
I mean, he knew he knew what your reaction would be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he knows exactly. you so well. And it was just three years ago. So yeah, like I, I've I've changed a bit because like well, I went through a relationship, I went through a job. Like obviously, like I changed a bit, but I'm a bit wiser maybe. But, but do you think it's important that you change because the circumstances change enough to give you a good. Uh, a good like topic of conversation right oh yeah, yeah. no clearly oh, all this and this changed no. no clearly clearly okay but like you told me earlier that like you wrote that kind of message before no yeah i do that like a lot actually a lot i don't know it's it's fun uh yeah so i'm using a service that's called future me so i'm calling i'm using future me and i send an email to myself like one year in the future or out variable dates and stuff like that and we are basically having a conversation through time but it's a bit weird because you cannot really react to what the yeah. person said because the person that's gonna read it is not the same as the person who sent it so it's more of like a chain of one-way messages Oh, wait, what? Like, you're not receiving it? I don't understand. Oh, no, no, you are receiving it. Okay, 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 okay. You're talking about, like, yourself changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Makes sense, makes sense. I was a bit confused. Well, you, ca <laughs> you can't ask question and expect an answer from the same person who, who wrote the initial email, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's not really good for, you know, I, I tend to write it kind of like a letter. So, like, hey, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. But that is a bit weird because you, you can't have a conversation. But you could write it as, like... Only yes, no question and answer like both responses and then like have a weird <laughs> conversation. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that's interesting. I, I'll tr maybe I'll try that next time. I haven't done it in a in a while. At some point, I was I I noticed something fun is that uh, so I have a very weird memory. Sometimes it works for some other things. It doesn't work at all. So for time capsule, I'm really good at forgetting about them to the point that I noticed at some point that if I was writing a note to myself in the morning, I most often forgot it by the evening because. It's the morning, I'm still half asleep. <laughs> so at some point, I was making time capsules one day long. <laughs> what? But like you've trained yourself to forget, no? Because like that seems very weird. <laughs> and can you remember all the details of your morning? I mean like writing a letter, like, yeah, I can remember. Well, not a letter, but like a, a note, a post-it, something like that. Mm. Okay, then maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't sit down for three hours and then like forgot completely that it happened. Yeah, I was like, maybe you should make that check by someone. <laughs> First, we should say that in response to all the problems we've seen on iTunes and Podfollow, etc., we have a new hosting service. Yeah, and it's working now. It's it should work very smoothly. It seems very good. They they will they will know better than us the ins and outs on each platform. Except yeah. YouTube. You have to be big before they let you post on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, but we can do that ourselves, can can't we? Yeah, yeah. But that's also that also means that uh, you should sh uh, share this podcast to all of your friends and invite yeah. them so that we can automate our posting to YouTube. <laughs> Just for that, we don't really care about you yeah, listening. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good uh, it's as good a goal as any, right? Yeah, I guess so. So, so follow up, do you have any like actual follow up? I have a little bit of follow ups. Yeah. So in the last episode, we talked about uh, anti-rationality, right? If yeah. there was some kind of anti-rationality sub 
uh, what is vibe in media st fiction storytelling something like that uh, yeah i guess so I received a question. Uh, so we saw that we, we talked a lot about rationality and we saw that it could be used for any goal. Something that seems irrational can be actually rational for a weird goal or something like that. But can it be used to, for the explicit goal of being irrational? Can you be irrational in the most rational way? For instance, my, uh, and you, you, I see in your in your silence that you may ask uh, why would you ever do that so maybe you would do that to show to prove that you're not deterministic or something like that like to, to, to as an artistic statement what would rationality in the service of irrationality be like <laughs> i'm not sure how would like that look like what would you do i mean you c i think you can't do it so the uh, my answer to this might be i don't know i haven't thought about it too much but it seems like it's a contradiction in terms right whatever you do will be the result of the rational thinking yeah. so like let's assume this hypothesis Mm -hmm. If whatever you do, you end up doing it out of rationality. So it, you come to an absurd conclusion, like textbooks make demonstration. Unless maybe you do absolutely nothing. But even then, like doing nothing. But then it's the logical conclusion. <laughs> it's the logical conclusion of my argument. So I guess you just need to kill yourself, but you can't because like you absolutely can't do anything, including not doing anything. That's, That's so very nice. It's a, it's I love a, it. It's a moot argument. <laughs> it's a moot argument. Okay, that was an interesting little sound. <laughs> the question is a bit nonsensical, so we solved it entirely. <laughs> That's fine. This podcast. Uh, we also talked. We also talked about dystopias, yeah. right? And how dystopia were never really completely rational because they were optimizing for an arbitrary factor, missing on what's really important mm -hmm. for human so for human stability of my <laughs> for you for humans. Yeah, yeah, for humans. And related to that, something dawned on me. So off, like one of in you know, on one of our conversations offline, you told me that one of the things people were the most worried about for COVID, more than health, was the economy. So uh, the obvious uh, immediate interrogation was like, how can people care more about the economy than about their health? And I think there is a nice parallel to this dystopia, as we mentioned, because what, uh, what came out of the last episode is that a lot of these dystopias uh, robbed the sense of meaning from people's life. And so I think that you can see it in this COVID situation because it seems to me that the a lot of... Well, what the economy means to a lot of people is the meaning of... <laughs> gives a sense to pointless jobs. Like, for instance, I was walking in the street seeing these stores half empty and thinking about being a clerk at this store. It must be so weird to spend your day in an empty store. Empty, empty as in, like, no people in it or empty as in no project in it? No people in it. So... Oh. I mean, the, the COVID situation brought to the forefront, I think, a lot of absurdities in the system. And economy is the rational that justifies the meaning of the system, kind of like this. Why do you wake up every morning mm. to go to a, a, a job you might not love? That makes sense. 
It's for the economy. And so I think that's why people may care a lot about it. Mm, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Uh, I think, yeah, you might be right. Like it just, because like what's interesting about COVID and how we are living right now is like we actually see that a lot of jobs are completely useless. Like we're not missing them that much. Yeah, or at the very least uh, can perfectly be remote, right? The, the A lot of office time is useless. So yeah, 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 yeah. it makes sense like we need something to make that useful in some sort of way and we decide like we invented a, a system to like show the usefulness of it i think that might be why people care about the economy and so the reason why i thought about it in light of the last episode is because we kept talking how important this sense of meaning was so the market is our new the economy is the meaning so the no but the economy is not the meaning the economy is what it's giving symbolism into like your action but yeah following this thought i spent hours uh, researching to find uh, a video that I watched uh, kind of innocuously without thinking too much about it and clearly it stuck to my mind. So that's also why I wanted to talk about it because mm-hmm. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I, I struggled for it. It was a lecture from uh, Professor Ken James at the Albert Ludwigs University at Freiburg uh, in, uh, called Niche, Trump and Brexit. You can find it on uh, on YouTube, and I'll link it in the show notes. And I uh, the the whole point of this uh, this lecture and why it stuck with me is that he was highlighting how populist movements like Trump or Brexit really uh, hooked on that sense of meaning, giving good purpose to people. Like, oh, let's kick those foreigners. Whereas the left tends to forget about this dimension of meaning and stick to figures, fact, and rationality. So maybe the left is trying to build a system that works but forgets about meaning, kind of like those dystopias we discussed. Okay, but it goes so much into our actual like subject for the day that I'm not sure I want to... Does it? Yeah, yeah, because I do think... So today we're going to talk about propaganda a bit. And I do think that what the left is not doing well is propaganda. propaganda. Yeah, I guess it ties back into propaganda. So without further ado, let's segue into the main episode. This episode is brought to you by that odd, unshakable feeling that someone is watching you right now. But there's no one else besides you. We know you'd rather forget it. But consider paying more attention to that odd, unshakable feeling that someone is watching you right now. Today, we're going to talk about villains and propaganda, exactly. And specifically, uh, the question, what exactly is a villain? Because... While watching, I don't know, movies, uh, I often talk about Disney as being a good example of that. But uh, let's take Disney, for example, because it's easier to explain with an example. Uh, When you watch it as a kid, who's the bad guy is obvious, who's the good guy is obvious. And when you visit it back as an adult, uh, it's a famous meme and a lot of people have been talking about it. Uh, It's not that obvious anymore. Often the bad guy kind of has a point. Often the situation is not that clear. So my question was like, is is it just a matter of format? Can you make anything be a villain if you frame it with the right colors? (laughs) And so to explore that, you've done some in-depth research. 
in depth. I've watched one movie, super in depth. I've, I've, I wanted to say I rewatched, but actually I think it's the first time I actually watched that film. I watched Aladdin, which is weird because I kind of know the song by heart by now. So when I watched the movie, I was like, I never saw this. Like, I actually never saw Aladdin before. So that was a weird experience. So you won't have the nostalgia blurring, the nostalgia goggle blurring your, your point of view on Aladdin. No nostalgia whatsoever. And, and so I have a lot of thoughts about like, okay, first thing about... So I think Aladdin is a good example of that. I don't think it is. Okay, so let me first introduce and then we can yeah. hear your rant maybe. Okay. I think, for instance... Like, you can really make a case for the fact that, so in Aladdin, for those of you who haven't seen it, is the story of... No one uh, ever. So, what? No one except it, me two days ago. Yeah, everyone has seen it. So it's set up in this kingdom of Agrava, and the main antagonist is Jafar. And Jafar's point is that he wants to be in charge, essentially. Yeah. I agree that it's not the best example for a misunderstood villain, but you can still make a case that the current sultan is very inept as its job, as his job. Well, we don't know it's, that. It's like just like lounging around all day, very disconnected. But do we know that? We don't. We don't know much about the sultan <laughs> except that he wants to marry his daughter. So it's not the best example, but it's I think really it can not still the work. best example because Jafar is just I want to have power and only power. And actually, the, I think like there's a good point to make on what makes a villain a villain is like usually in storytelling you don't have the full view of the villain point, meaning like they just so use their like bad action and they don't really tell you why they're doing that. And like it's the thing in Aladdin, like you don't know why Jafar wants the power, you don't know why he's doing all of this. So are you saying? that it leaves it kind of like open for me to put in my like oh he's worried about the country <laughs> yeah you could the problem is because you don't know and you only see him doing like vile thing you don't really push that sort of thought in Jafar you just put like okay he's a villain they just want power for power which makes no sense because like that never happens. Like, it's it rarely, rarely happens. So, so it's more of a matter of means than a matter of goals, then? In Aladdin, I think it is. It's only a matter of, I think, if it was framed as Jaffa wants to take power because the current sultan is doing a bad job, then I think as an adult, seeing him, like, killing one or two people, we would be like, nah, maybe, like... <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of worth it, like whatever. But the problem is it's not. So so you just like seeing that guy killing people for no fucking reason. And obviously you're saying it's bad. Yeah, I wish you had seen the Lion King instead where the, the point is made very much clearer because the guy who wants to overthrow the Lion King just wants all the animals to share equal rights and destroy the lion hegemony. But so it's, it's true that you have, you can have villains with a wide range of backstories and reasons but so you do have i guess both you you have some villains that have reasons and some villains that are just pure evil but what makes them villain i think is in the portrayal more than the goals in disney like it's a big thing that like villains are usually not good looking villains are actually like using yeah, yeah exactly yeah, they are actually, like usually they use like darker color palette I think we can, uh, if you want, well, I had it on my list, we can take a few minutes maybe to go over what this means, like uh, what the ways that they are portrayed. It's like darker color palettes, often like uh, green and purple. Green and purple, even like the thing, like 
so in Disney, like they sing, they always sing. Like I forgot about that. There's so much singing. <laughs> What's interesting, I think, like the song use like and like uh, lower tones, lower voices. Yeah, lo- I exactly. Noticed. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say that. Yeah, yeah lower tones. And uh, something like super interesting that I I thought of while uh, thinking about that was we watching uh, mm-hmm. the portrayal of villains like that, is they are often portrayed with like deformed traits, like non non humans, as for, like further away from humans, like a a bit different. And so there is a very big question here of uh, how difference is used to single out the villain and how it kind of like trains you to hate what's Actually, different. Actually, that's super interesting. And I don't know if you would know that, but I've watched uh, Aladdin on Disney+. Plus Before the movie, there's a disclaimer. And the disclaimer is some character or action portrays some stereotypical traits that can be hurtful, something like that. And it, it was never, it was not okay by then and it's not okay today, but we decided to put it nonetheless because of history or whatever. Fine, but you're still doing... <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know they were doing that. But yeah, the thing is like the, the portrayal of the stereotypes is still at one level that I would call like... Uh, conscious in a way whereas like using like making the villain kind of like I don't know fat deformed blobby whatever is more like unconsciously training you to using your fear of the different for narrative purposes which reinforces thereby and validates that fear of the different well obviously like there's something about like being different but like there's also something about being ugly meaning like you know that like even at a young age there's a beauty factor that is completely insane about like Kids that are more beautiful are more intelligent just because adults think that they're more intelligent. So they like spend more time like talking to them, like teaching them, blah, blah, blah. And you actually have like a feedback loop that like makes them more intelligent. Yeah, I think that's basically what I was thinking about, right? Because you can see beauty as the the norm that That people are aspiring to and different as deviating from it. I mean, you see Jafar, he looks bad, and oh, it turns out that you were right to judge him on the stereotypes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 it's clearly a reinforcing loop. And like in each, actually, when you think about it, like there's, that's interesting, actually. Yeah, there's not one Disney movie where the villain is actually a beautiful person. Well, there is uh, stuff like uh, Snow White, where the the queen was jealous of Snow White's beauty, so presumably she was second in line. But that's interesting that like they actually say it. It's actually a talking point. Like it's like. Am I the most beautiful woman yes. in the country? No. Okay, let's kill them. It shows to kids that like beauty is a thing to aspire to, which is a bit weird. I mean, it was another time. <laughs> it's, it's a bit dated, but uh, it was, I mean, I think it's still the case in a way, except less explicitly. <laughs> it mirrors in an explicit fashion what other villain portrayal just hint at unconsciously. <laughs> We 
we deviated a bit. So we talked about uh, villains and what cinematographically makes a villain. And I really like the point that uh, it's using uh, the bias we have against the unknown, the difference and uh, leveraging that. And we talked about beauty and the human norm. I think it's like really a common thing because even in like fantasy, orc eyes are always really, really bad looking. They're bad looking for your standards. For their standards, they're pretty much good looking. <laughs> But if you take elves, usually in fantasy, they're not that they're like they can be villain, and they're like usually very beautiful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have the the dark elf uh, stereotype. I don't think any of what we're talking about is a strict rule. <laughs> No, but like that, what I mean about elves is there's also like the complete opposite thing. Like being super beautiful in storytelling can also be used as like being cold. <laughs> A red flag. Yeah, 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 like being cold and like, I don't know, like far from like the common. Yeah. That makes sense to me. That's that might be why I inc unconsciously were talking about deviating from the norm more than uh, getting close to an ideal. Yeah, I think you're right. Because deviating even in too too well is not uh, is not good. And maybe the Snow White Queen fits more in that. I don't know. I agree. I think it's deviating from the norm, which is a bit sad, but yeah. I mean, Jafar is the only person in all of Agrabah who wears black and who's friendly with parrots. I don't know <laughs> he's deviating from the norm. <laughs> he has a parrot. No, but like Jafar, I think like really you can't... S the movie doesn't let you think about Jafar as having any sort of rationale behind his action, except he wants power. So, so you can't, it's not even about being beautiful. Like he could be the most beautiful being. He could be completely normal in any other way. It's just like his action is so strongly bad in and of itself that like you just can't think about him as a good person. Yeah, yeah. so that's interesting. It's a, it's, a, it's a moral model in which the weight of the action outweighs whatever goal he may ever have. But don't you find it weird that clearly you're supposed to still like Iago? <laughs> Yago is a parrot? The parrot? <laughs> uh, how can you remember that? He's, he's a pet. <laughs> Pets are always nice by definition. <laughs> Pets can't I be mean, evil. No, but like you don't give them that. Like the thing with pet, I think in movies and like even in real life, you don't give them agency. So even if it's even if he's talking, like he doesn't really have any agency. So like he's a comic relief, and as such, like you like him because he makes jokes. He can't do anything by himself. Jafar is the agency, and he's bad because he chooses to do bad actions, whatever the ends might be. Yeah. I think so. Mm. But that's not always the case, and that's what I'm uh, a bit yeah, clearly, no, clearly, puzzled clearly, of. Clearly. Uh, although, I mean, I guess it's a. Uh, I don't know. Then I don't know if Disney is uh, is the best portrayal for that because Disney's villains are often use bad actions, such as framing the death of your father for for the Lion King. <laughs> what do you think about the Little Mermaid, for instance? Do you remember? Uh, the this witch wants to steal the Little Mermaid's voice, so she has she has her sign a contract, giving her legs in exchange for her voice. Yeah, a kind of Faustian contract. And I mean, some might call that exploitative, some might just call that free capitalism, but it's clearly framed as bad. <laughs> but why why is she picking that deal? Because she wants legs to go on the surface to for true love. And why can't she find true love in the fucking ocean? <laughs> Because she found the one by she saw the one from far away. It's a bit stalkery. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I think like a trade is a tra I don't know. Like I, I'm not like I think I need more details about this trade. <laughs> the trade in itself is fine. Like I mean, like you're removing a body part to give another body part, which seems like kind of fair. Maybe yeah, I don't know. Like it's just a law of conservation. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. Yeah, see, it seems just like a, a very fair trade. Like in the actual story, it's a worse deal than that because like she, when she walks, like she walks. Yeah, yeah, she she's hurt every time she puts the foot on the ground in the fairy tale. This trade would be a bit like... All of this to have a chance at, at shagging. A beautiful man. There is beauty again. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't know. Like it's love in Disney movies weirdly frame each time like it's always oh you fall in love at the first sight and then like you don't really except in frozen <laughs> no but it's true that love is the ultimate value kind of to aspire to even in frozen except just not like the classic uh, heterosexual love <laughs> and that's uh, that's also a very interesting thing to see with respect to propaganda because this love that you see in this kind of tales is always motivated by the beauty, as we said. Well, echoing what we said. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it a bit superficial, sure. But it's uh, implicitly the goal of the story and the justification of everything, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's always like love conquers all. For sure. And that is exactly my my little plug moment, what uh, Zizek calls uh, pure ideology in uh, his... Uh, uh, perfect guy to the cinema he highlights that even in Stalin's propaganda movie for instance Stalin congratulates a couple getting back together and so we we, we mentioned beauty but love is maybe an also very strong factor of propaganda I would have thought that like for Stalin or like for any other like totalitarian country love is not that important I would have thought like making kids are more important than like actual love I mean we would need to all, all love for the for the totalitarian figure I guess but love in itself I gave the shortened version because what Zizek is actually saying is that like this instance of love in Disney or this instance of love in the Stalin movie is objet petit a <laughs> and is might be present differently and i guess it would be love for the nation mm. in nazi germany or something like that but it's kind of a tension towards an ideal of beauty again like a, it's a tension towards an absolute i think like beauty is one of these like absolutes that is very well defined as an absolute not very well defined as a as, an, as a concept but like very well defined as like it's one of the absolutes that exists, which is kind of rare. Like you don't have that many concepts that tend toward being absolute in itself. Well, that's good. Maybe that's why they keep killing each other over it. But exactly. But after God, basically after God, there's beauty, which is a bit like beauty is a very strong word. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very close to God in a way. Uh... I didn't think we, were, we would talk about beauty that much. <laughs> uh, we're talking about the cinematic language of propaganda. So I guess like I didn't see it coming either, but... Yeah. That makes sense, kind of. This episode is brought to you by the absence of call to actions. You all know that you're supposed to like, subscribe, leave a good review on iTunes and such likes. So why does everyone keep reminding you of it? That's silly. We don't do that here. I wanted to bring back the question a bit 
of so we talked about the cinematic language of being a villain and that it was pretty justified in some cases in Disney uh, in the Disney examples that we studied but I wonder that if it is necessary like does the point still stand that it is necessarily justified like couldn't you frame anything as a villain with this kind of cinematic tool and can you make everything seem good or bad depending on the framing I mean are you talking about the form alone or are you talking also so I uh, my my thinking related to this is that maybe a big like most of the propaganda actually is not in what's being said in the content but more just on the form and maybe even more on the framing just the fact of talking about something as if it's important as as if it's a problem or something like that uh so maybe most of the propaganda is in the unsaid and the assumptions and consequently you can use the same format for sure you can frame anything as like bad if you want to i guess that's what propaganda <laughs> not i wouldn't say exactly that i think because like propaganda they, they don't frame stuff as bad just to frame stuff as bad they just like frame stuff that are different with their thinking as bad like it's a matter of differentiation between what they're thinking and like what others are thinking i guess or, or to like use any one group of person or like one group of ideology as bad compared to like themselves so it's more about and it's keeping the point that you were doing saying earlier about like being different is bad i think all propaganda is that is saying that any other stuff that what i am saying right now is bad so does uh the, does the the content actually matter in the in a way if the if you can do if you can say anything and it's opposite just by framing and cinematic format is it or is it more of a like postmodernist kind of stuff where there is no good or evil and there's no absolute value the two things that kind of not boggle my mind but like i found really interesting is um gay marriage and uh cannabis legalization in the u.s like both of them like follow the same trends trends of acceptance meaning like before it was legalized it was like 30 35 percent 40 percent of the population were okay with it and now that it legalized like state by state you can see the actual like acceptance of the public go up with so the law is first and then the acceptance is second okay so you have like early adopters then the laws then the bulk and, and then everyone is following like right now the legalization of marijuana is like 60 percent like 60 percent of the population are okay with it which were not true like five years ago ten years ago and I think like it's a sort of propaganda to to show that people are okay with it before they're actually okay with it. And people are like, if everyone is okay with that, maybe I should. I mean, even if we set aside the, the world, the big world propaganda, the big P, it's a picture of framing, right? Before, before you frame it as an illegal activity, people are against it. And then you frame it as something that some people do and like... Uh, even before it's legal just like not a crime and it already pushes the the tolerance so my my gut question to that is okay so how can we like wh what is the conclusion we should draw from all this for our daily lives but do you have something to you want to say legalize first think about it second i i think what's the, the, what strikes me in all of this is that uh, humans are very very sensitive to the framing and the portrayal and all this implicit meta information that we don't actually get when you're watch watching when you're paying attention to the content as you 
are like the stuff that comes to you unconsciously, the normalization of things, etc. But I think that's what's happening with news nowadays. Like if you're only watching one kind of news, like you don't, the portrayal is always the same. Like it normalizes kind of any kind of thinking. Like either you, even if you watch like liberal news or like conservative news, each time like you have this framing that is like very, very strong and you don't even see it by the end. You're just like agreeing with it. Yes, I guess the lesson here is to be really careful and question like uh, to try to be aware of the hidden assumptions and see when people are framed in dark and uh, purple that maybe maybe you should pay close attention maybe something is being fed if to you. there's purple in the picture be careful be careful <laughs> That might be propaganda. But in a way, aren't we reinforcing uh, the, the propaganda by telling people to be afraid of purple? I mean, you have purple in your bedroom right now. I can see purple behind you. So... I do have purple. Maybe I'm evil. <laughs> I mean, like, we might need to stop this podcast now. I'm a bit afraid. <laughs> But the thing is, I don't think any human is actually a villain in the sense of like being bad for being bad. Like, I don't think it exists at all. Whereas it kind of exists in fiction, right? Yeah, in fiction, yeah. But, but, but like the sentence always assumes positive intent, I think is an actual like truth. Like, I do think that people always act for positive intent. I, I agree. I would go even uh, like my version of it is always assume incompetence rather than bad intent, <laughs> suboptimality. But do you think that uh, this portrayal of villains, so the, the fact that we have villains in our story is detrimental to our behavior in the real world then, if, if they don't exist in the real world? I think it helps us. Do you think it pushes an agenda of adversariality? I mean, it helps us make sense of the world. But I still... Like I still feel like the this kind of adversarial, the, like this kind of manichaeism is pushing an adversarial conception of mankind, which I'd rather not see in media. Yeah, me too. I wonder if we have less villain on screen, maybe we would be more inclined to look for the reasons be behind their act. For every bad action that you see on the show or on like the news, you need to think why is this, why is this guy is doing that, why is this woman is doing that, and I think you will like be better. <laughs> yeah we're interested so let's do this little social experiment and let's uh let's all post our stories of like let's let's all post one example that we saw in the comments and we can uh, we can see if everyone has reasons i mean no one will do that so they won't have any reasons and you're a villain for it like not trying to understand why you're not doing it <laughs> if you don't leave us a comment you are the villain the true villain because oh, but yeah please let us know if you think that there is like if you can think of counter examples of propaganda that are not cases where you can frame things as good or bad just by the format I'd be super interested to see that. Let's let's yeah, let's discuss all our examples of propaganda we can think of eh? on Twitter, Reddit, maybe YouTube, Gmail, notdailypodcast.com and see you later. See you.